everybody. It's a little bit of a new episode of ECL here, but we're going back to the old format, or rather, uh, format that we've used eh, maybe once or twice. It's ECL Flash Forward. This is Will Young, and we are going to be looking at, uh, well, an episode of Arthur that Lucas and I have not touched yet, and it will take a little while before we do. But the opportunity, uh, well, it came around to talk about this episode with somebody that I think um, has a lot, a lot to say and a lot that you should hear. Her name is Kara Oliver. Uh, she is an educator from New York, and she did a TED Talk on YouTube uh, about Arthur, and it's called Everyday Wonderful Community Building in Relation to Arthur. You can go check it out right now. And the episode we're talking about is In My Africa, which is from season 14. It aired in April 2011. So if you want to check out the episode, please be my guest. I would really recommend that you do. In case you in case you don't get the, the vibe from this one, I really liked it, and Kara did too. I think you'll really like her, and I think that this is one of the most informative talks that I have with a guest, have had with a guest. No disrespect to our other guests. We have a lot of fun. Uh, but this one, I think I learned a lot talking to Kara, and I think you will too. And yeah, it's just really enlightening. And I hope that you guys enjoy it like I did. So we're going to go to it now. I'm talking with Kara on the phone. So the audio is going to be a little bit different than normal. But uh, I think that the content is there, and I really hope you enjoy it. Here is the ECL flash forward with myself and with Kara Oliver. <laughs> Hey, everybody, and uh, joining me on the line here is Kara Oliver. Hey, Kara. Hi there. How are you today? I'm doing very well, and how about yourself? I'm doing great, feeling great, uh, as great as I can be in a pandemic, um, but really, really <laughs> excited to be joining you today. For sure. I'm real. I'm really glad for that as well. I mean, it's funny. We were both connected by a friend of the show, DJ Bob, and uh, after seeing... Yeah. Well, what's your your thoughts on Arthur, your video that was related to Arthur? I was like, I need to talk to this person. <laughs> I'm so excited. Yeah, shout out to DJ Bob. He's awesome. For sure. So, Kara, for our audience here, um, I wanted to give you a chance to introduce yourself, uh, both in terms of, like, what do you do? And also, I want to talk about what your relationship is with Arthur, the show. Absolutely. So, um, first and foremost, uh, thank you again for having me. Um, I um, really uh, currently, and where I'm at right now, um, um, I'm originally from New York City. And uh, being from New York City, it exposed me to so many different things. And uh, growing up, Arthur was a staple in my house, pretty much because my mom was a school teacher <laughs> growing up. So, TVS was always in our homes. And, um, you know, when... I was younger, it was hard to, you know, find things that I could relate to, right? And for some reason, I just gravitated towards Arthur, and I can remember the very, you know, first episode that I watched. Um, and it was Arthur's pet, and I was like, wow, this is really cool. And um, as I got older, um, you know, and grew, the messages from Arthur really just grasped my attention, and they really just honed in on to some of the things that I became passionate about, like social justice, uh, diversity, equity, and belonging, and I could talk a little bit more about that and, and my work. And um, it helped me relate better to the populations in which I served, which was predominantly youth and students, high school students and college-age students. So I one day I was like, you know what, I need to find a way to better relate to them, and how can I do that, right? So in order, I think, to serve youth, you have to think back on your experiences, um, but not make it 
you know, solely about you, but just reflect back on that wonder and that open, biblical care attitude, right? And so, mm-hmm. you know, growing up, I said, you know what, this is what, you know, what what can I do to change? And I looked back on the art, the theme song, and one day I caught myself singing literally at my desk. I, I kid you not. I'm like, every day when you're walking down, the and I'm like, oh, my God, I haven't watched Arthur in years. That's it, Arthur. And so I started using it in my work. Um, in my previous job, I worked at a very small nonprofit uh, called the National Federation for Just Communities of Western New York, um, which is an organization dedicated to eradicating, you know, the ills of society, right? Like, you know, racism, prejudice, um, you know, injustice of all kinds. And so when I was working with the students in um, our youth program, I talked to them about Arthur and it was something I felt good about it because I'm like, okay, they're not going to just look at me like this old millennial anymore. They're going to look at me as someone who's cool. <laughs> no, they still look at me as someone who's an old millennial, which is okay. But um, they, they, they were like, I remember Arthur. I still watch it. And these are, you know, that, you know, 16, you know, to 17, 18 cohorts, I was like, okay, this, this works, you know, in that age range. So I'm like, okay, so this is good. And you know what? One day I got so passionate about it, and another good mutual friend of ours, Cameron Garrity, um, you know, he, you know, put out his te- the TEDx Buffalo for our local region and, you know, asked for a proposal, and then the rest is history, and I did a TED Talk about it. You sure did. That TED Talk is called Everyday Wonderful Community Building in Relation to Arthur, and it's available on YouTube right now. So you answered one of the questions I had of kind of how it came to be. Um, we're going to talk oh, in a little bit. Yeah, No, no, it's it's all good. You, you beat me to it. Uh, we're going to talk in a little bit about how... Um, about kind of the meat of the matter, but of course I want to encourage people to go watch it on YouTube. It's really great, and it's primarily how I found you. I wanted to also oh, ask you. about... Yeah, of course. Uh, what are the reactions that you've seen from it, uh, from people who saw the talk live or people who have come across it on YouTube? Wow. So, you know what? It's always interesting um, when, you know, I think as a creator and, and someone who, who loves content and media, I'm very critical of myself. And um, I know that's something that um, is difficult sometimes. So when I'm looking out into the audience, it was this feeling of, all, you know, inspiration, because I can see a lot of people get that aha moment. Um, And, you know, again, in the audience, we're looking at, you know, different people from different racial ethnic backgrounds. We're looking at people from different religious backgrounds, right? We're, you know, so much diversity in the room. And I'm looking at people, some had the aha moment, some were confused. And then as I'm going along, people are like, okay, I I understand the connection. Um, But I want to say one of the most gratifying moments for me um, was a teacher, who came up to me and I did not know this person. I, and again, I'm thinking I totally bombed it. So thank you for your, for your praise. I, I still think I was like, Oh my God, I cringe looking at it. But, um, you know, when I look back on it now and people will say, Hey, you know, thank you for that. And that teacher came up to me and was like, you know what? I, I want to thank you because, um, I think a lot of people forget how pivotal this show is, um, to, you know, generations and, you know, to know your passion, right? And and that's what it was really for. You know, it wasn't just my passion um, for the work that I do, but the passion for the show because what it did for me. And I know that might be a little self-serving, and I'm okay with that, but um, it, it was one of those moments for me. It was like, you know, your story, and I don't know if you've ever heard this quote, but sometimes your story isn't for you. It's for someone else. And Arthur made such a big impact on me 
and on the lives of these students that they were able to take these lessons and implement it. And to see and hear an educator, and I have a profound respect for educators, I feel like they do not get the credit that they deserve, um, to have an educator come to me and tell me, hey, you know, I really did appreciate that. Thank you. Um, that was validation enough. And so I think back to people like my mom and, you know, who gave her life effortlessly teaching her students and other teachers that I encountered um, in my lifetime. You know, it really brought that moment home and to see people smiling and, you know, at glee, you know, when they're, you know, that, 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 that spark of nostalgia comes up. Like, wow, I remember that episode. I used to watch that as a kid or I, I now watch it with my, you know, nieces and nephews. Or I watch it with my, my daughter or my, or my children or my students, you know, it, it really did bring it home. So it was a really, um, cool reaction. You know, sometimes I still can't believe it. That's awesome. I'm so glad that that was able to happen for you. Now, in the talk, um, this was when I was watching it, and I was like, okay, I've got to have this person on the show. And I was like, okay, how can I do that? And I and I remembered that, well, we have a, uh, a specific type of episode that we do where we kind of flash forward to where we are um, on the Elwood City Limits timeline, and then we go forward to an episode. And there just happened to be an episode that you talked about that I had – never heard of before and certainly never seen before and I figured who better to talk about it than you because it is part of your when you talk about um stereotyping and how listening to one another produces a human connection it's the first part of your three steps toward community building which is a big part of your TED talk uh Mm -hmm. you talked about the episode in my Africa which is from season 14 uh it aired in April 2011 and I would really like to kind of uh go along with you and talk about the episode as it relates to uh to uh, what you have to say about it and just in general, because I'm really curious uh, kind of your, your take on it as somebody who doesn't uh, immerse themselves in Arthur, like I do like every (laughs) day of every week. Yeah, absolutely. So um, in my episode, as you said, it was, you know, the 14th season and um, the ninth episode in the 14th season. Um, And it was, I, when my process, you know, going through Arthur and going through the episode. So when I did the TEDx talk, I looked at episodes from the first season all the way up until season 16. Um, mm-hmm. And this episode, uh, you know, I shared the same sentiment as you because I had never saw it. Um, but then again, by the time Arthur came, you know, by the time this episode aired, I was, you know, in undergrad and, you know, drowning in work. So, I, you know, of course, it was natural that I wouldn't have seen it, but I was so happy to see how the show's plotline developed. And so to summarize the episode, it, it, you know, it focuses on, on DW's new classmate, Sheik, who is um, actually a cousin of Brain, which is one of the pivotal characters in the show, one of Arthur's friends. And Sheik, yeah. um, you know, and, I, and it took me a while. When I researched and went back, I was like, oh, my God, he's related to Brain. So it makes sense. And him and his family moved from um, Senegal and they moved to Elwa City, which is, uh, you know, pretty much based in, you know, the United States or, mm-hmm. you know, North America. And, um, you know, DW comes to this realization that she doesn't know much about Africa. And she wants to get a little bit more, you know, she wants to befriend him and, you know, you know, and, and wants to build a relationship. But what's the way you build relationships? And I think BW and her, you know, childlike whimsy, um, like all of us, was inundated with stereotypes about Africa. And so, you know, she comes, he comes into class and she makes him this beautiful picture 
but the picture is pretty much filled with, you know, stereotypes Africa. Like, oh my God, yeah. you, you know, she makes this comment about, you know, what her perception of Africa is. Like, you must outrun lions and, and you, you must outrun, you know, all, you know, and bear, you know, all these stereotypes about the African animals. One, you know, that one of my, here. yeah. One of my favorite parts of the episode is is Shake responding to that of where did you learn this nonsense? <laughs> right, you know, and he and and you know, and I love that because it's it's in a childlike manner, and I you know they give one, and this is one of the things I love about Arthur in this episode is that they give children the respect, they, the intellectual respect that they deserve, right? Because I think a mm-hmm. lot of times we kind of dull it down for kids children because we think that they don't understand when they actually do, and so to him it's like. He's checking her in a nice way, like, hey, I don't yeah. know where you got this from. And then the Tibbles, you know, and, and they're, you know, ter- the terrible Tibbles, as they're known, uh, the twin adversaries, I call them frenemies of DW, um, you know, <laughs> kind of let her know that you don't know much about Africa. And, you know, DW being the bold um, feminist icon that we love, um, says that, you know, actually, I'm going to learn. And then he... You know, Sheik explained to her, Africa is actually not a country, which is a common, you know, mis- uh, misconception about yeah. Africa. You know, I've, I've traveled to Africa and, you know, I can, you know, attest to this. I was DW at one time. Um, growing up in New York City, um, at my first international traveling abroad experience was at 17 to Uganda. And like wow. many people, I had that you know, bravado and like, oh my God, this country, you know, they're inundated with poverty. They're inundated with this. Things that are sort of true, but we don't get into the root why this is a thing, why these, why these social iniquities happen. We don't talk about colonialism and things like that. Now the show doesn't get into that, but it, mm-hmm. you know, kind of just blankets, blankets a, a bigger problem that we have with a lot of countries that are different than ours. We look at stereotypes. We look at you know, and, and those stereotypes turn into prejudices and, and, you know, even microaggressions, you know, a lot of what DW was saying, and I could be reaching and I'm okay with that. I was very <laughs> microaggressive towards Sheik and um, right. to be called out on it by him and, you know, to him to reclaim his space and say, you know, something actually, no, you're wrong. Let me educate you. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Africa is not a country, it's a continent continent comprised. And they, you know, break out into this beautiful song. Um this, well, Yeah, this song. This oh, oh my yeah. god, this this song is kind of a bop. Like I was like sometimes <laughs> with kids' shows it can be it can be a little hit or miss to like on how the shows and I mean Arthur's had a ton of songs in the time that it's aired. Some of them are okay, some of them are really catchy. This is on the catchy side. I was getting into this. Yes, like it, like in my Africa is uh, it's one of my actually favorite uh, you know song interludes in the episode. That I think Arthur is known for some of the most memorable things, i.e., uh, library, the library song. Yeah. Um, but yeah. you know, I think that um, and with this episode, they break it down. Um, you know, they break it down where it's palatable and understandable, and you know. They have this dialogue, not debate. You know, I think that's important, too. It's like he didn't, you know, he by himself was a little offended, but he didn't, he knew that she was just ignorant towards what Africa is about. So let me educate mm-hmm. you. So she went home, starts reading bro- books, um, you know, and then she, you know, reaches out to her brother. 
And, you know, Arthur and Arthur explained, you know, to DW, and this is like an Easter egg in the show, kind of, I, I don't know if I want to call it that, but I will in this case. Um, you know, Arthur had his Pantala Dill, who was from Turkey. And, yes. you know, he explained to her, you know, it was hard for me to kind of learn and understand, you know, what, you know, he went, you know, what he goes through and what his country is like. He had to educate me. Adil had to educate me. So mm -hmm. maybe you need to learn from someone who is from that country, you know, who learns, who knows more about it than you do. And then Arthur yeah. said, you know something? Instead of like, you know, he could have used that as a typical big brother moment to tease her and taunt her a little bit. But he used it as an education moment because he went through it a few seasons ago and we can remember that. So I'm, it was I'm, re nice I'm really I'm really glad that you brought that up because uh, that was yeah. one of the episodes I was going back through the the episode guide because I knew that. You know, Arthur is a, a, has been a great show of continuing its own tradition of representing other countries and other ways of life. And that was one of the episodes I zeroed in on, which the kind of bones mm -hmm. of it were very much the same as this one. There, That's being uh, Dear Adil. But even, you know, with other episodes like Arthur and Los Vecinos, where their neighbors move in yes. and, they're, and they're Latinx. Or um, Buster's Amish mis Mismatch, where they go into Amish country. It's a, a great tradition of the show that I'm glad to say has been one of its calling cards in this one. It's no different. Yes, and and I'm glad you brought that up. Like you know, and that's one of the wonderful things about art. One of wonderful things about Arthur. I mean, they take these anthropomorphic animals who have real life, you know, racial ethnic backgrounds, which has always been interesting to me. Um, mm -hmm. And you know, Arthur deals with so many things like privilege and socioeconomics, and you know, they like I said, they 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 make it palatable for children, but. Um, with this My Africa episode, it was so nice to see it from the context of Africa because I think from a Eurocentric point of view, a lot of these stereotypes continue to plague, you know, Africa and other, you know, nations. Right, yeah. Um, and, which is, you know, like, okay, like we see the poverty commercials and, you know, and yeah, there is poverty, but we don't get into why these things have happened. We don't talk about, we don't talk about structural racism or institutionalized racism or colonialism. So this, you know, episode gives a nice, I want to say, light introduction into what that looks like, um, where it's not adversarial, because these things can be personal. Like, yeah. you know, if, if, if you're from somewhere and someone tells you what it's about, you know, and this is what it is, and it's like, well, actually, it's, you know, that can be very offensive, especially to children. You know, we think about bullying. But, you know, she does it in a way, and the episode is so well written, and, and I think, you know, it was written by Ken Pontac, who, who is and a phenomenal writer on Arthur and, and, you know, has done a great job of busting out some of the harder episodes. Um, mm -hmm. And you can tell that there was a really big, you know, initiative to make sure that the cultural aspect is, you know, representative in this episode. And so, you know, even from the scene where, you know, they call the brain and the brain is telling, you know, DW about ways you can learn. So giving her that option, like, this is how you can do it. Um, some of these ways are difficult. So, you know, what DW said, you know something, what about a song? What better way than a song? I know when I was growing up, the way I learned all of the presidents of the United States was through a song. So shout out to my, you know, 10th grade uh, um, uh, history teacher. I got to give him a big shout out there for that. But, you know, songs, you know. <laughs> That's can, awesome. Yeah, you know, like phonetic, you know, like ways that like, you can remember. Like, it's really, really sure, cool. Sure. And it, it was awesome. And, you know, what one of the pivotal scenes from that episode that I really, really liked um, was when the Tibbles, you know, they were always teasing me W. 
Um, he's like, well, you're not, you're not going to remember. You're, you're going to humiliate yourself. And she said, no, she's not because I'm going to be up there with her. So it shows mm-hmm. that solidarity and it shows, you know, she's educated herself, but I'm going to stand with her. And, and to me, what that goes back to is a, um, sociological, um, you know, a thought of power over power for and power with. And what that mm-hmm. uh, represents is, you know, power over is, you know, I'm going to tell you what it is. Power for is I'm going to help advocate for you, but I'm still going to do some things for you. And power with is I'm standing next to you. Um, I am an advocate. I am an ally. And those power structures fluctuate over time, right? So that reminded me of that, that, that sociological school of thought. And it was so nice because he's like, you know, you're someone who I'm welcoming into my culture and I want to teach you and I want to educate you. So you're not ignorant on it, but at the same time, I'm not going to, you know, punish you for not knowing here's how I can educate right. you. And, and then the very last scene, um, Ms. Morgan, who was their, their teacher, introduces a new student, and I believe his name was Keith, and he was from Kalamazoo, which is in, you know, the United <laughs> States. And the right. teacher asks, hey, does anyone know anything about Kalamazoo? And D.W. Um, raises her hand, and she hesitates a little bit. But she says, I don't know, but I would like to learn. And then the episode finishes. So yeah. the overarching lesson here um, that I loved about this episode is that there are teachable moments and there are ways right. to educate without hurting. There are ways to educate without even, and even on the reciprocal, because it's the art of you know, reciprocity, right? I can educate you and you can educate me, but I can still stand in my truth and let you know what it is without being offensive. Um, mm-hmm. And if I do come off a little offensive, um, know that it's coming from a place of love because I want to teach you. And I think Sheik was able to do that in the brain and all these, you know, characters that come together um, for a teachable moment. So this this is, has been and will always be one of my favorite episodes. And a lot of uh, cultural references, a pop cultural reference, in the episode, Sheik and the Brain were wa- walking across the zebra cro- crossing, which I think was a nice nod to the Beatles album, Ivy Road. I just love that. Um, so <laughs> That's a good catch. I, I, I totally missed that weird. one. <laughs> I, I think a very weird thing. So, um, I, you know, I looked at that and I was like, hey, that's, that's really cool. Um, and, and yeah, so that, that definitely was something that was big for me. And, you know, I used that episode to teach, um, our students and, you know, the tech, and the tech talk and the audience about, um, you know, cultural awareness, um, and what the work is, right? Because I think we talk about the work and I put that in quotations, right? And the work is hard. Yeah. You know, it's ugly. Um, it requires you to deconstruct, reconstruct, and construct. And what I mean by that is it requires you to deconstruct everything that you were taught because not everything you were taught was necessarily correct, right? Um, it requires you to construct and form your own opinion, right? And then it causes you to reconstruct how those opinions and those ideas, those ideologies and beliefs apply to your life and the lives of others, especially the ones that you serve. So, um you know, I really do enjoy, I really do enjoy, I really did enjoy this episode because it touched on all of that in a way that was safe and it created a safe mm-hmm. space, which Arthur always does. Well, I have, there's one lasting criticism I have of the episode and that's the, in the song, in my Africa, they rhymed mm-hmm. potato with equator. So I don't think oh, it can yeah. come back from that. 
Yeah, you're right. I did that, that was kind of cheesy. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think I think it was a reach, but you know, it, it, they were like, "Oh, potato, potato." You know, it, it needed it needed something to rhyme, right? Um, but of course, of course. I to, I, I, to did, kinda... I did that funny. <laughs> To 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 go off topic a little bit, uh, you know, in the song they talk about a lot of African cuisine and like I was watching this around lunchtime, I was getting hungry, and then I remembered <laughs> that you and I have added each other on Facebook, and I've seen you cooking up a lot of really yummy things lately. It's making me a little jealous. During this during this quarantine time, what's been your favorite dish to cook? Oh man, okay, so wow, this is this is awesome. So I do cook. I, I love to cook in my spare time for sure. Um, and I think I draw inspiration from so many different things, but I think my most favorite thing to cook thus far was this Bizcock French toast. Um, my fiance, uh, Paul is, is really like, a, he's a sweetheart. And, um, I'm not just saying that, but he really is. And he loves the Bizcock cookie. So my best friend back in the city, um, I've been making them care packages to send because there's a, mm. you know, they can't get access to certain things, um, being in, in, in the city. So, um, I'm in Buffalo, by the way, for my uh, listeners, which is about an eight-hour drive, hour plane ride. So I said, well, let me get them Ooh. some cookies. And, you know, I was eating the ice cream. This pop actually came out with an ice cream. Um, and if anyone is not familiar with Biscoff cookies, please get them because they're so good. But they're addicting. Don't eat the whole pack of cookies. <laughs> I can go for a pack in a day. And um, they actually released the ice cream. And they are known as the um, airplane cookies because they serve them on airplanes usually. Oh, and so right. um, when I, I, that's how I found out about them. I'm like, oh, my God, how did I not know? Also, if you have tried this coffee and might not be too sure, if you've ever had speculoose or cookie butter from Trader Joe's, that is what a Biscoff cookie is. It's like this gingery-based cookie. It's so good. And gotcha. so I, I, you know, in my one of my moments, I had an aha moment. I said, hey, why don't I make a, a brioche French toast? I had all this leftover brioche bread, and, you know, I just took some crushed cookies, and I had some uh, stale cinnamon toast crunch cereal, and I said, okay, let me <laughs> mash this up, and you just make it like a regular French toast, but you bake it. And so that was, like, my favorite recipe thus far. And Taco Tuesdays. I do Taco Tuesdays every Tuesday, and I we just celebrate. Hell yeah. Oh, yeah, for real, for real, man. So, like, I was like, all right. We're going all out. So we did, you know, barbacoa tacos, shrimp and lobster tacos. My fiance is a pescatarian, so, you know. I just uh, had dinner and I'm getting hungry all over again. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry, bro. (laughs) That is my jam. So um, thank you for bringing that up. I love cooking. So that's that's my thing. So we're kind of ra- wrapping up with this one here. I just wanted to note while while we still have you that I've I, talking about the song itself, and I mean we can talk about this in the episode in general. I mean the, I find that the best kids shows often teach me new things. I'm talking like me, the thirty year old me, even watching them yeah. as an adult, and throughout watching the song, I'm like, oh, I'm learning all kinds of things I didn't know before because I've never been to Africa myself. I'm a white guy living yeah. in Eastern Canada, so my knowledge it can be pretty lacking at time so i yeah. i learned a lot i really thought it was a great episode but i'm honestly surprised this episode isn't talked about more with some of the more famous um episodes in the arthur canon i mean i've only first heard about it through your ted talk wow yeah it's it's interesting i think um you know arthur unfortunately not and it's not just with arthur but i think um shows dealing with racial ethnic connotations is always like one of those gray areas 
Um, mm. And as great as this show is, um, and as great as this episode was, I think this is one of the ones that kind of got overshadowed. Um, and I think now, and to bring up, you know, not to, you know, dive into something else, but, you know, the most recent episode, you know, Mr. Ratburn's Wedding was so yes. pivotal for the Arthur series because it dealt with a topic that um, hasn't been talked about in a lot of children's shows, um, especially in this way on public television. Um, and, you know, the issue, you know, not the issue, but, you know, the, the celebration of love um, pertaining to same-sex marriage. Um, and it was always so interesting because I think in a lot of, you know, fan, you know, I follow a lot of fan pages, there was always, you know, the question of Mr. Rapper's sexuality. And I think with right. that, no one, no one could tell because he never talked about it. But what I think with um, this episode in particular, and like I said, this is just my own opinion, um, you know, race and ethnicity is just one of those things that, not that it gets swept under the rug usually, um, but it's kind of like, okay, well, we, you know, we can see that or we can, we can hear that or that, that's something that we know that already, right? Um, and it's so unfortunate because I do think that this episode was one of the best written episodes because of the context of the episode, right? So you have, you know, this character who is from Africa who comes and educates. Um, and we haven't seen that. We had Los Vecinos, you know, like you said, they were Latinx. We've had, you know, some other European countries. But we haven't had Africa yet, which is so surprising, having given, like, this is in the 14th season. But I think yeah. it was done, and on the flip side of that coin, um, you know, to play devil's advocate here, I'm glad that they did it the way that they did. Um, again, this is now, you know, 2008, 9, 10, 11, three years into the Obama presidency, um, you know, and, and race is becoming a bigger topic in, you know, America, like now having open conversations, like we we talked about it, but we weren't really talking about it. So I also do think yeah. that this episode did come out um, at, a, at a good time because now we can educate, like there's a difference, right? We have African-American and then we have African. And even within culturally, there's sometimes often contention um, with you know, terminology and should we say black, should we say African-American? If you're African, you know, I'm not just African, I'm, you know, you represent your country and, and your, your home. So having these conversations and opening up the dialogue, and I think this episode did a great job of that. Um, and I think the timing was good. Shocked that it hasn't, you know, they haven't touched on it before in different ways. They did it subtly, but I think um, for the time and, the, you know, that we were in, it was, it was, it was right on time. Well, Kara, I certainly couldn't have said a lot of what you said better myself, so I think you were the Aww. exact right person to talk about this with. Uh, so, of course, you. I want to direct all of our listeners, again, to, it's on YouTube, your TEDx talk. It's called Everyday Wonderful Community Building in Relation to Arthur. I wanted to give you the opportunity as well. Is there anywhere else that you would like to uh, direct our listeners, either to your organization or anything else that you can think of, if you have a presence online or anything like that? Well, absolutely. So I'm actually a published children's author. Uh, author, excuse me. No way! Um, so, yes, yes, I did. So I, yes, I am. So I actually wrote a book, a children's book, um, actually de de dealing with some of the uh, very topics that we just talked about. Um, growing up, and I'll make it quick, um, I grew I, growing up in New York City again. Um, I'm Afro-Latina. I'm darker-skinned. Um, so growing up as a, you know, darker-skinned black girl, Afro-Latina, um, I struggled a lot uh, with identity, uh, you know, was always, 
your doctor skin, so you're ugly, and this, that, and the third. And as I got older, I started, you know, seeing my niece, who I love, Kylie. So I want to shout her out. Um, she's really excited. Um, so, uh, you know, dealing with some of the same things that I dealt with. And I remember someone told me, um, and I always hold this with me, um, you know, a lot of times we say somebody has to do something. But there's some... I was somebody who could do something, right? So I'm calling out. I'm like, somebody has to address this. And I started doing research in undergrad, and I, you know, my master's project, you know, about colorism in the media dovetailed into this. And I looked at a statistic in 2018 that stated um, only about 10% of children's books feature children of color, in, particularly black children. When you get to Native American children, it's less than 1%. So you know, it goes into this theory of mirrors and windows, which is another tiny back to Arthur, why I love the show so much, because it gave a lot of children who had a lot of windows some mirrors to see positive reflections of themselves, even in anthropomorphic animals. But I said, you know what? Children of color need a voice, and they need to know that they're worthy of being shown in positive light. Um, a lot of, if I'm being honest, a lot of the media content that we have featuring um children of color sometimes um, is very negative. And so if I'm always told that I'm bad or that, you know, people who look like me are bad, I'm going to start to believe that. So this book, um, You Go Girl, A Letter to Young Queens, is pretty much a love letter um, to young girls um, everywhere, but particularly young girls of color. I wrote with them in mind because I was talking to myself. And it was things that, you know, that I wish I had the confidence growing up Um to believe. And so I said, if even if one little girl re- reads this book and they feel better about themselves, I'm okay with that. I don't have to m- make a, a, another dime, you know. So um, it's available on Amazon. And, uh, you know, you can follow me on uh, Instagram, YGG Book. Um, that's YGG Book. Uh, you can follow me on my personal page, uh, Tara Oliver. Um, I'm on Facebook predominantly. I am an old millennial and I'm proud of it. Um, I am also on, uh, uh, I'm not on Twitter, um, really, but definitely on Instagram and uh, Facebook. I'm just following you there right now. Well, Kara, it's been a really it's been a real treat talking to you. Um, I'm really glad that we were able to put this together, and I'm real. I really hope that you're able to. Uh, I hope that we're all able to get through this quarantine period uh, safe and sound. So, thank you very much for joining me here on uh, this ECL Flash Forward. Absolutely, thank you so much, and you stay safe and healthy. And thank you all for listening. Will do. My name's Will Young for Elwood City Limits. We'll see you next time.